This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is your nutritional cheat code. Pour one pack of Athletic Greens into a glass of water, mix it up, slam it down, and you have your daily allotment of vitamins, minerals, and superfoods. You can now, through Wrestling Changed My Life, through this awesome offer, go to athleticgreens.com WCML, get a one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. athleticgreens.com WCML, one-year supply of vitamin D droplets and five free travel packs. I'll just give you a real quick story about Tony. We used to have a rule, you know, cutting weight. You know, you'd have to come in on Mondays, no more than seven pounds over. And if you were over, every tenth you were over, you have to run an extra lap on the track after practice, after everything was done. Well, over Christmas, he came in 15 pounds over, so eight pounds over, 8.2 pounds over the seven pounds. So a Christmas practice is usually a longer practice anyway. Then we, afterwards, I had to sit there and watch him run 82 laps on a damn, damn track. And Tony didn't, didn't exactly break the speed record doing it. He thought I, wanted, he thought I was going to give in. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling Changed My Life, presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. I've been out of the office for a week, but we're back with our only episode of the week. It's with Mark Hahn, former head coach at Glenbar North High School, one of the dynasties in the Chicago suburbs. Coach Hahn put together an incredible 716 dual meet wins during his time at Glenbard North. Ten times, Glenbard North took third or second at the Illinois Team State Tournament. In 2011, they won the whole thing. And in conference dual meets, they were 127-0 under Coach Hans Tutelage. He's also coached some of the most known wrestlers in the past generation, Tony Ramos, Austin Gomez, and if you go back a decade before, Joe Gomez and Mike Palazzo, who's now the head coach at Lake Highland Prep. This guy is a legend in Illinois, and I think you'll understand why after you listen to this interview. Fan of the Week goes to our friend, Tri Craig, who left an Apple Podcast review back in June don't miss this cast. You'll get the background, the stories, and the excitement is palpable. Excellent interviews that wrestling and the world needs more of. Thank you so much, Tri Craig. And anyone listening who's left an Apple Podcast review, we greatly appreciate it. Now let's get to this interview with Mark Hahn. 
All right, folks, we're here with one of the legends, Mark Hahn, former Glenbard North head coach. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. Let's start at the very beginning. Is it true that Glenbard North was built on your father's farmland? Yes. 40 acres uh, of, of hay ground that we had, we sold in 1966. What so, was a day in the life like for you growing up then? Pardon me? What was it like for you growing up then? on the farm well i mean we were a small dairy so it was a lot of a lot of hard work um, chores every every day we milk cows 365 days a uh, uh, a year so not a lot of downtime i really didn't know what a day off was until i until i started uh, teaching and coaching and that and i'd have a saturday off and i didn't know what i really knew, didn't know what that was you must really be going crazy now then with all this free time you got. Yeah, I try to fill it up. I still uh, I still bail a little hay. I still sell some wood. I, I've got three properties right now that I take care of. So it takes it takes some time. So you're hustling, you're maneuvering still. I like it. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the, one of the coach or maybe the only coach before you, Bob Falk. Correct. What was... You know, what did he represent to Glenbard North back in those days? Um, well, as far as Glenbard North wrestling, he was, you know, I mean, he was, obviously he was the first head coach. He was more of a, a football guy than a wrestler, a wrestler, even though he wrestled at Eastern Illinois, but he, he didn't start wrestling until he was a sophomore at Eastern Illinois. He had a football scholarship. And um, he had just, he had just taken the head coaching job for football proviso west and Glenbar and he was also coaching wrestling and Glenbard North just was going to open up and they wanted him to be the head coach. So he took the job and he said when he took the job, he wanted to go into a school and make the wrestling program as important as a football or basketball program. And I, I think that's what he did. Yeah. And you had, you had said that, you know, as a young guy coming up, he, um, did he notice you and that's how you like got hooked into wrestling and were allowed to leave your farming duties. Yeah. Well, he, he, um, my mother worked at the high school too. She worked, she was a recept, uh, the, uh, switchboard operator when they had switchboards. And so, uh, he started a once a week park district program on Saturday mornings and I was nine years old. And, um, he talked my, my mom into me joining that. And so I, you know, that, that was my first, my first uh, wrestling experience. The Carroll Stream Park District uh, wrestling uh, club or whatever you want to call it. And Bob had all his, some of his wrestlers, his good varsity wrestlers come in and help out. And just from the get go, he made wrestling seem so special. And he just wanted to be part of Lombard North wrestling program. What is it you think he did to, to give that culture, that identity to the program? I don't know. I mean, I, well, I do know. I mean, he, like I said, he made it, he made it when he talked about it, it was so, it was important. It was, it was special. It was, it was what some, you really wanted to do. And it was, and, and uh, even though Glenbar North wasn't, wasn't winning state championships or anything at that time, uh, you, you felt like they were. 
you know, like they were they were headed in that direction. They were winning. You know, I, I think they had one losing season, or they we had one losing season in the whole 50 years, and that was maybe his first or second season. So you know, he, he was a big. He wanted to win dual meets. He, you know, I mean, he was of course he was about the individual and wanted to win conference titles and things like that. But he wanted to win dual meets, and that you know before dual meets were as important as they are now. You hear that, folks? 50 years, one losing record. That's the kind of program we're talking about here. And when you retired, there were just you and uh, you and Coach Falk were the only coaches, right? Right, right. And that, you know, that's that's pretty special over 50 years and having only two head coaches. That's that's pretty cool. Wow, that's amazing. Now, when you wrestled, you also played football, and then you ended up coming back and being an assistant with the program. What kind of a specimen was Mike Palazzo back in his heyday? Uh, well, in in terms of that era, Mike Palazzo was you know was a you know he was a stud. He was he was a he was a tough one. I mean, for us to have a sophomore be a state qualifier back then, that was that didn't happen that often. To have a sophomore, you know, and he was a, he was a sophomore state qualifier, and that was what I was inheriting. I was inheriting. Mike Palazzo as a junior. And so he was, he was my stud. If you want, I mean, I could talk, I could talk days on Mike Palazzo, but he was the, he was what kind of catapulted my, me taking over. He's what got our program going. You know, our Glenmark wrestling was good. was really tough, you know, through the seventies and and early eighties when Bob was there, but then the last year or two, it kind of went down a little bit because he was going to get out. I don't know. I can't put a finger on it. And then it took a while to get it back. And Mike Palazzo was, was what got it, got it started. Everybody looked up to Mike Palazzo. He's been on the show before. And I love that guy. Didn't realize he was a Glenbar North guy until he got on here. And, you know, everyone knows him for Lake Highland prep, but, Right. Uh, it's it's funny to hear you say though that during that era, state qualifiers a sophomore that was something, and it is. But like you know, at the end of your career, you were coaching the likes of Tony Ramos, where the guy's never been anything in this, but in the state finals, you know. So it's yeah. like the advancement in the wrestling that came has come so far. It has, it has, and it has to do. You know, of course, it has to do with all the all the clubs and the youth wrestling, and you know everything that's going on. Three hundred sixty five days a year wrestling. Yeah. You know, I mean that's that's you know, what's changed it. But, but, you know, you, you think back, there were some really, really good wrestlers that had, they had the train that these guys had, who knows? Right. You know I mean? uh, so, but Mike Palazzo was definitely, definitely uh, a, a leader in our program. I was going to ask you what, what about him that, you know, impacted the team so much? Was it his like leadership or attitude or? Well, he was one of those, I mean, he was a leader, you know, he wasn't a guy that would um, say a lot, in the room so much, but he was a leader because he, you know, because how hard he worked, you know, is, if you, you know, if there was an opportunity to wrestle, Mike Plaza was there wrestling. Uh, he was, you know, one of the first guys that, even though he was a physical specimen to begin with, he started did lifting and things like that. And he took kind of young guys under his wing. And, uh, and that's, that's how he, you know, he got, you know, even though you don't know the name, but Tony Rigitano, who was a leader for me after Mike Palazzo looked up to him. And then, you know, Tony Rigitano begot a couple other leaders. That's how the program had had Mike Palazzo wrestled 
uh, in the in the year 2015, um, he might not have ended up finishing at Lombard North. He may have gone to another school. You know, I mean the way some of these wrestlers get plucked and go somewhere else, right? They don't give it out. You know, a lot of times a program has a good wrestler as a freshman, and then he doesn't have a chance to help that program out. He goes off to another bigger name school. You know, they don't stick around, you know, they don't stick around and give, it, give that program a chance. And I, I could name a, a number of situations like that that have happened to some of my ex-wrestlers who took over as head coaches, and that happened to them. And so Mike Palazzo, luckily, he wasn't in that era. He stuck through it, even though when we weren't as good as we, you know, we could have been. And uh, he's what really helped get our program going in that in that era. Yeah, and it's like, man, to, to hear, and, and folks who don't know, all the all the great guys you've coached, you know, the, the list goes on and on, but everyone knows Tony Ramos, and, and he was amazing. In my era, when I was just getting into the IKWF, Joe Gomez was a, was a scary sure. individual. And that guy was like, whew, my man, what a killer. Uh, and then now, you know, obviously Austin Gomez, I don't know if you were still, did you coach oh, Austin as well? Oh yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my, what? He's so fun to watch at Wisconsin. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so happy. He, uh, he came back. I mean, that was, that was like, a, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy for him. He, you want to talk about Austin Gomez? We could talk about him for a long time. Let's get into it. Here's Let's talk guy. about it. There's a guy that he was the, if you want to talk about one of the, I mean, the, I don't want to step on anybody's talk, probably the toughest wrestler, the best leader that, and, and I'm, and I had some, I've had some great ones. And don't, Tony Ramos, a great leader. Joe Gomez was a great leader. Uh, Mike Plaza was a great leader, but Austin Gomez, if you know, you, you can count the bad days in the room that on one hand that he had in four years. He'd come in that room and bust ass every day. He would, he was, you know, he, you know, he was the, he never bitched about, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm you can swear, it's okay. He never bitched about anything. You know, I mean, just, I mean, he was just a, a hardworking, tough, tough guy that just walked his talk. And I've, I watched him, you know, at the clash. When he was going senior year, when he was you know undefeated, lose a match, and and his his, his father Hector, not an easy guy to to live with, got caught him behind the, the bleachers and just just yelled at him, and a lot of guys would have walked back over here, put a sweatshirt on and hid, and he stepped up right up there to the, to the seat and helped coach the rest of the guys. That's the kind of guy he was, you know he he took. He took losses in stride and didn't and and learned from them and, and moved on, you know. And that's what you should do. Yeah, that that kid. I mean, ever from a young age, he's probably been working just at a level that most people can't even understand. Yeah, yes, but you know, and here's you know, I mean, we I, again could talk about this kind of stuff, but you know, a lot of guys that go start at a young age and work at a high intensity program like Gomez Wrestling is, a lot of guys get maybe burnt out or used to, to, to loafing or, or we call it in our room, screwing the pooch, you know, uh, you know, they, they, they go through the motions. Austin wasn't one of those guys. He didn't learn how to, how to loaf. He learned how to work hard. And he came in our room and worked even harder. And, and, and one of the, if you ever said, is a guy going to make it in college? Because many guys don't, 
I, I would say Austin Gomez is going to definitely make it in college because he's going to take that work ethic there. And uh, I'm glad he finally got the, the program that he feels comfortable with. It's so. rare to see that uh, kind of team aspect of a leader because some great wrestlers, you know, they won't give other guys the time of day and they're a little selfish in the room. But uh, Austin was, sounds like he was like the opposite of that. Just yeah, go he and go. He was, he was, I mean, he was, but I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. He, I mean, he, his circle was, I mean, he was, a, he was trying to get Austin Gomez as good as he could, but his, he was a team guy as well. And, 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 you know, I can point to, you know, thing, so many things over the four years that he's wrestled there, how he, he was a team guy and, and how he helped out the, the program. And, you know, I, you know, so anyway, I mean, I, we yeah. had some really great ones at Gombard, so, and, 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 you know, you get me on somebody else, I'll, I can talk about them too, so. Well, that, that class story was awesome. Do you have any other ones on Austin Gomez that come to mind while we're, while we're on the, well, I do, I do. <laughs> his, freshman, his freshman year, we, he was our, we had two good, two good 106 pounders, Austin Gomez and Kirk Johansson. And they both wanted to wrestle 106. And Kirk was, I believe at that time was a junior and Austin was a, was a freshman. And they challenged off the first night uh, or in our, in our black and gold scrimmage and Austin lost and Kirk was a little bit bigger than Austin. And so I, I, I made the decision that in you know, the first tournament, Kirk was going to wrestle 106. Austin was going to wrestle 13. Austin was small. And, but I said, for, for dual me purposes, we're going to flip you guys and, and go that way. And then we then we'll let you challenge off a couple more times for the Dvorak. Mm-hmm. For the and then for the regional, well, Austin wins the Dvorak, wins the wrestle off of the Dvorak, but when it comes to the regional, Johansson won. So Austin here's a, he's a small one hundred six pounder had to go had to go one thirteen, and oh I mean he I mean I mean don't I mean his dad and his uncle were were just living but it was the only it was it was the fair way to go because these both guys were both varsity starters most varsity studs and but austin took it into and went ahead as a small 106 pounder and went and took third and stayed at 113 and didn't didn't blink i mean he just he just that's the kind of guy he was he took third how, how did your guy do at 106 he took Fourth or fifth, he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't my. I didn't choose him. Not your guy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both my guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a tough. That was a tough. What kind of pressure from the parents were you getting in that situation, coach? Hector wanted to wanted wanted to just sit out, just sit out, not you know, because he was he was pissed, you know, and and I I understand it, but you can't. They knew going in. Everybody knew this was we were only going to challenge a few times, so everybody knew that. But it was, wow. a, but it was, a, you know, and luckily the, you know, the Hector and Fran believe in the program and, you know, I mean, I'm sure I was, you know, I was cussed out a few times at that, at, at the house, but I, you know, but it, it worked out. It's fair yeah. is fair. And that's the great thing about a wrestle off. Now I got to ask, did Austin win the Dvorak that year? No, he lost to O'Connor. That's how tough Illinois is, people. We're talking about two legends right here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he took, I think he took third at the, that year. O'Connor, so, NCAA champion. Wow. Yeah. Do you, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know who beat him at state at 113? 
because I don't remember. Oh yeah, she's you know I would uh, I do it. It's going to take me a little bit to think of it, but I another stud. I, I, no problem, <laughs> no problem, no problem. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, man, that's uh, that's awesome. I can't even imagine how many more of those you have. Now, has there ever been a guy who walked into the program with as much confidence as Tony Ramos? <laughs> um, yeah, I would, you know, Joe Gomez, Austin Gomez, I would say they, they had a lot of uh, confidence, but Tony Ramos is a special, special guy. What? I mean, I, I, I pulled out more of my hair from uh, coaching Tony over the, the first three years. <laughs> he was kind of a pain in, a thorn in my side. He was a stud. He's a thorn in my side for a couple of years. He's a tough yep. guy to have, to have sometimes in the room. You know, he just would, he would challenge me. But uh, our senior year, and I got a story. I've got plenty of stories about him. But senior year, he really became you know, a great leader for us and, and, you know, understood what the program was all about. And, uh, but I'll just give you a real quick story about Tony. We used to have a rule. We used to have a rule that were, you know, cutting weight, you know, you'd have to come in on Mondays, no more than seven pounds over. And if you were over every 10th, you were over, you have to run an extra lap on the track after practice, after everything was done. And so, and then on Tuesdays, it was five pounds. So you gradually get down the if you had a tough time with your weight. Well, over Christmas, came in, so you get seven pounds. And we had the Dvorak coming up, or Dvorak or Clash coming up. He came in 15 pounds over, so eight pounds over, eight <laughs> pounds over the seven pounds. So a Christmas practice is usually a longer practice anyway. Then we, afterwards, I had to sit there and watch him run 82 laps on a damn, damn track. And Tony didn't, didn't exactly break the speed record doing it. He thought I wanted, he thought I was going to give in, you know, like, <laughs> I'm going to say, you know, after, after a couple miles, you know, yeah, you're good enough. We were there for hours, but he had to do all 82 laps. And he still tells that story. <laughs> I love how you hold the line coach. Well, you know, yeah, you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, but that you have to, there was, there was, you know, we had a, we had our head bunny time. We had a, you know, show, you know, who was the coach at that time. What do you think made him such a, such a dominant Illinois wrestler back in his era? Well, you know, like he had a lot of, a lot of experience and he had a lot of belief in himself and he had a, and, and he, uh, you know, he had a great work ethic too. Uh, you know, he just, like I said, he was, he was, he was cocky and he was young, but, but, uh, but he, you know, he, he went, if there was a chance to wrestle, he'd wrestle, you know, he wrestled on every big stage and, and, uh, you know, you know, went to, you know, went to Izzy, you know, went to our club, went to Izzy club, went to, you know, did everything he's supposed to do to, to get better. And, um, you know, and, and of course his brother, you know, not, not, it wasn't a bad thing to have Vince in the room with them to wrestle with and to have his brother, Frank, as one of our coaches. To, and, you know, Frank, you know, the guy that said he was going to bring his, his brothers to Gumbard North after he wrestled for us. And he did, you know, I mean, Frank was actually like their guardian for, for four years. And that's a hard thing for a 26 year old man to do. You and know? you got to believe that there was no one more recruited 
then eighth grade Tony Ramos coming out of the IKWF. So every every Catholic school within a hundred miles was was <laughs> was taking him out. And one, in, one in particular, but uh, I mean it's pretty pretty shocking that that's the that's the pull of the Glenbar North program though, right? And people like my kids are wrestling here. My like they're so serious about wrestling for that program. Yeah, I mean I, I like that. Frank was a man of his word and said he was going to, he told me he was going to do it. I don't know if it's something that I did when he wrestled for me. Frank was one of my studs when he was there, but, um, but he, he was a man of his word and he, and he, he came there, they came there, both his brothers. And, you know, we had some tough times, you know, through that, but they, you know, that, that they really, you know, helped our program, you know, and you know that. But wow. our program, I don't want to think Glenbar North Wrestling is just about the studs we had because Glenbar North is a program. You know, we've, you know, our the the guys that make the most make the bulk of our program are the guys that are there for four years that aren't the studs. You know, I could tell hundreds of stories about those guys too. I love how you call them the show horses, the show horses and the plow horses. Like, because exactly. you're big on as much as people from the outside might look in and think. Um, you may be doing some like recruiting and all that. And, and I don't know if there is or isn't, but really you guys are a program that's known for taking guys and saying, Hey, if you stick with us for four years, by the time you're a senior, you'll win 30 matches. You're going to go downstate. Like you're big on program development with those guys. Exactly. That's, that's what our program is. You know, we've got, we've got guys that, that start out as a freshman and don't, I mean, don't even start in our freshman room. We have four levels. We wrestle four levels at Columbia North and our freshman team wrestles in a different room and we've got guys that didn't even start as freshmen that end up being our varsity starter or state qualifiers as senior. And that's, that's what our program is built on. We've got guys that don't even start as a senior, but then when we wrestle in the dual meet state championship, knock off state place winners. <laughs> but honestly, we've got, we've got stories where I mean, a guy named Joe Michelson goes out against and I, I, I can't remember the damn team, but uh, I can picture him and goes, um, I think it was Muhammad back when Muhammad was on our level, goes out against a state placement from Muhammad Seymour and, 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 uh, and pins him because this guy was a crazy uh, JV wrestler with a cradle and he goes out and pins him. <laughs> We've got all kinds of stories like that. So, so yeah. on, a, on a, any given Saturday in a January, Glenbard North is fielding four plus teams. Oh, there's some Saturdays where we've gone five different places. We we have we have about we have anywhere on, a, on certain years we've had anywhere from eighty to one hundred twenty kids in our program, um, in you know wrestling four or five levels, um, you know, and that's that's how we get our and and you know but but I said this many times if you want if you put in one room, the only the wrestlers that lived and died for wrestling we'd have about eight guys from those hundred guys in that room. You know, the rest of the guys are, are kind of part-timers, but they're guys that contribute just as much, you know? So, for, because if you're going to be a dual team, if you're going to be win dual team, uh, I mean, if you're going to win duels, then the number one thing that Paul told me is you can't, you can't forfeit, you can't forfeit ways if you want to win duels. Fact. And, you know, that's why it's important. And we, we pride ourselves on not having to forfeit weight classes. So then that's. Wow. So how, so if you have the, the four levels in your room, how many times a week are you going? Are you doing two a days? What was the structure when you were running the show? 
Um, it depends what phase we're in. We've we've done we've we've and I. I'm what are the gonna, phases? Uh, we've got we got five phases. Uh, you know, and and the, the you know we start at the beginning preseason. You know, uh, right at before we start competing, then the first three four weeks of com- competition. Christmas is a phase, and then the toughest phases are phase four, and then phase five is where we back off, and um, and and you know we concentrate on the big meets because we used to. I remember we used to be really tough something right around January and then somewhere around February, sometimes we wouldn't uh, do as well as we should. And we were, the idea is we were, we were pushing too hard at the wrong time. You know, you gotta learn. It's like, uh, it's like what they do in swimming, you know, where they, where they back off for the big meet just what they do in track, you know? Uh, and, uh, and, and I actually got the idea from a track from the head girls track coach at Lombard North, Dave Burris. We talked about say? it one night. When I had a bar, we just sat there talking because he had coached wrestling when I first got there for Falk. And he was saying, well, you know, you guys, you guys burn guys out by the end of the year. You guys are, and, and you know, we started talking about what the difference between track and wrestling. And uh, so then I kind of got this idea about the phases and, and backing off at the end of the year and working really hard in January, that's when we're double. We're doing double practices every day. We're we're working them hard. We want. Hey, we're we're gonna look like crap in in January. Double mat practices or like double workouts? No, no, not no. Mornings would be a couple, two days a week, uh, run and lift. Two days a week, hard run. We have these things called three lappers that are that the kids hate, but. We always, but it, it, we feel like it gets them in, in great in great shape. Gets them that minds more than great shape. Gets them mentally tough because they have to push for that time and, and make these times and so on. And they and they they hate it. I've heard one guy say before. He said one day one this one one guy told me when we were in a Hall of Fame banquet. He goes when I was picking up Wayne. He goes I said to him I go you know Wayne if we crash our car into a into that building over there, we wouldn't have to go do three lappers this morning. <laughs> That's how much they hated to do those things. But how had, how uh, how many how many times around would you send them on the three lapper? I mean, uh, like how many reps of that? Like ten reps of that, or we try to we try to uh, to simulate uh, a six minute match with overtimes. So they have to do these these three lappers. They're not really three lappers. They get more and more as it goes. Starts out of street. You're trying to do. These many laps, and you're trying to get a, a full out go at, for two minutes. And so we try to do we do three periods of two minutes, then we do one minute overtime, then we do three thirty second overtime with a warm up and a cool down. So they're they're when they're done with that when they're done with that they're they're dog tired, and exhausted. Yeah, and it's you know like I say it's more it's more mental toughness. It, it's not more it's physical, but it's more mental toughness. It's more uh, a team thing because if if we don't make the time, if someone doesn't make the time, we all do an extra one. You know, it's like it's things like that. Has that happened before? Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> oh my, that's awesome, man. That those had to be just the intensity is high. People are sweating. It's it's late January. It's dark out. Like that's just grind it, sessions. It's fine. Yeah, it's, you know, they're meeting, they're getting there at north at five forty-five in the morning. And uh, you know, on the on the track or on, in the weight room, you know, it's 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 
it's tough, but it's, and then the practice at night, you know, at that time, at phase four are more intense, uh, shorter, but more intense and uh, no, you know, no conditioning afterwards, you know, cause you're conditioning as you're wrestling at that time. Now, so. what a, one of my good friends is Mike Powell. And I know when he was at the helm of OPRS, they had some intense practices. Yes. I got to imagine inside the, the Glenbard North room, it's, it's just as uh, on the level. I mean, what's the atmosphere like during, uh, during practice for you guys in that late January session? Tough, tough, uh, tough goals. I mean, uh, you know, there's not, a, there, you know, there's not a dry circle in the, uh, in the room, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure like, like Powell has, has had, you know, he's had some, he's had some great team, but I, I, uh, I respect the heck out of Mike. I just, uh, and, and, you know, Oak Park became a, became a, a, a kind of like a place where everyone wanted to go for a while too. So, yeah, um, yeah but, uh, and I, and I, I really respect what he's doing now. But I think of two, two teams that not only were great, but teams that had like chips on the shoulder when they were out there and Glenbar North was always one of them where, you know, you, you were in for a, a little bit of a scrum when you were wrestling a, a, a Glenbar North can. And I had heard you say one time, I don't know if this is in a press release or in another interview, but like you, you guys aren't winning the unsportsmanlike battles out there. And I just love that you guys almost encourage that. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I think we're, we're no, I think we're got a bad rap about that. However, <laughs> however, you know, hey, wrestling's not one of those participation sports. You know, I mean, you're going out there, you're going out there to win. And one of the things that you know, we we always we one of our sayings is the fear is back in the black and gold. And that's and the fear meaning not you know you're going to do something cheap or shove someone. The fear is that those that whoever's wrestling you know they're going to be in a, a six, seven, or eight and a half minute grinding match, no matter if, if they win or lose. And yeah. no one wants to wrestle. No one wants to do that. You know, you want you want to go out there. You don't want to go out there and get just get ground for eight and a half minutes, or or even if you're going to win, you had the toughest match of your year going against this guy. You don't want to face him again because you know it's just going to be a. So that's what we kind of pride ourselves. We're going to go out there. We're going to fight you on every. And and, and yeah, have we had some teams that didn't? Yeah, but most of the Glenbar North guys go out there with a chip on their shoulder. Oh, that's awesome. You know? Well, you don't go 127 or no in conference dual meets without, uh, without going out there with, with some aggression every time. So, um, not only were you guys dominant in Illinois, I loved how you were one of the first teams to branch out of state. You've been at clash since clash number one. And I'm proud to say that you guys brought the clash title home to Illinois. And, uh, tell us about your first six. How, tell us how you started going to that tournament. Um, we, you know, we were, we were, uh, Dvorak guys, you know, so we'd always go to the Dvorak cause that was a tough tournament. And, uh, this, some, and I guy's name was Randy. I can't remember his last name right now. Kept calling me up and asking me, if, you know, Hey, we got coach Allen. We've got this tournament co coming up next year and we'd like you to come to it. And, um, you know, I, just the way, you know, the way he was kept, kept calling me back, kept calling me back. And I wasn't sure if I want to leave the Dvorak, but here's the reality of the Dvorak. For us, it was a really tough tournament, and you'd go over there, and we've had we'd have our four or five studs that would get great experience at it. But our our guys that are more of our blue collar guys would, would maybe go zero and two or one and two, and they'd be watching for the rest of the time. So 
the nice thing to draw for the class was he goes, you're going to wrestle six times at, at this tournament. You're going to wrestle six matches and, you know, everyone's going to get those six matches, you know? And I started thinking about what's going to be better for our team. Cause we're a dual meet team. Or we're thinking about dual team state. And, and so I said, yeah, why not? You know? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, uh, and at going there, still thinking Glenbard North wrestling, we're, you know, now we're tough. We're tough as any goddamn state, you know, not, not knowing how tough, you know, not having an experience wrestling too many Minnesota teams or too many, you know, I, you know, Iowa teams or whatever, goddamn Minnesota teams, they fight for every freaking point. You know, you, go to them, you're, you know, I mean, you know, they don't give up anything easy. And so, you know, going there and finding out how tough this was and finding out how exhausting that, that those two days are, that, that, that's a tough, it's a tough tournament. And to say we won it and knocked off Apple Valley, really didn't realize what we were doing when we knocked off Apple Valley because I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it until after we did. But knocking off Apple Valley that year, that was, that made it kind of special. That was huge. Been, that's the been a great that's, 2001 for, for folks counting. And, and we talked about, you know, some of the guys on that team, but um, I was looking at who made the all clash team in 2001 and Joe Gomez, Tyler Williams were on that list and it's no surprise, Right. So, but let's go back to day one of the tournament. Do you remember like who you, who you drew? Like who are some of the stud teams back then? Uh, we drew, a, a, you know, you, you know, you're, you're asking like, I should have Tony LaFonte, my assistant or one of my assistants. Here, <laughs> He's the historian. Knows but, well, Bill, uh, the reason I'm asking is, didn't you guys get beat though in the pool? And you still we got beat. We got beat the second day by okay. Owatonna. Owatonna beat us. So what it was was that first. Now there's 32 teams. There's four brackets of eight. But when we went there the first time, there was only 20 teams. So the first day you were in brackets of four. All right. So you had a a small a small tournament four. Team tournaments. We only wrestled twice the first day. We beat a Nebraska team. We beat a, I don't know who the else we beat. We had no problem winning that. Then we got in the winner. So then the top, the all all five, four uh, team bracket winners got put in pool A. Got so it. we had Oatana, Apple Valley, um, the team from Utah. Uh, oh, uh, the Sanderson's yeah. team. Yeah. City. Yes. Yeah. Uh, team from California, Vacaville. And us, so all the time, Apple Valley, Vacaville, and and the Utah team, and us, and so and so we you're going to wrestle four times that day at that level. Blood so we, we drew. We had Oatana. We won our first two duels, and against Vacaville and the Utah team, and then we went against. Then we went against Oatana, and we lost, and then we had a bye. So we got a bye right before we had to wrestle Apple Valley. Apple Valley beat Owatonna. And then we came back and we beat Apple Valley. And somehow we ended up, I don't know what the criteria was, we ended up winning the whole thing. But um, the Apple Valley was a, we, we moved a couple guys guys around for that. And I can't exactly remember the, the move, but we moved and it worked out. So. And you guys went for a long, long, long time to the class, right? Yes. I yeah, mean, I think every we only, year- we missed a couple of years. We missed two years because uh, Palazzo brought us down to Palazzo brought us down to Florida to wrestle wrestle there in 2012 or 13, one of those years. Got it. And, yeah. And yeah, I don't even know that the number, but how many times you guys went to state or took third or took fourth? It's just insane. But 2011, 
you you bring home the gold, take yeah. out Carl Sandberg in the semis. It was that was that enemy number one for you guys, or was it like an OPRF or a Montini or like a Mount Carmel? Who was the enemy number one? Oh, that year. Well, I mean, that year, but almost every year. I mean, we ran, we bumped heads more with Carl Sandberg than anybody else. You know, that we in this when we got into the state duels, we ended up losing to them a, a, quite a few times. You know, and some of them were so darn close, you could just taste it. I mean. Really? I mean, I could, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what, what, was, what years were you guys right in there where it could have gone either way? Well, I mean, it was it was Caitlin Chase's junior year. Okay, two thousand five then, because she okay, was a freshman she, when I was an eighth grader. Okay, and she, we were in the. Well, let me just tell you this story. She had they had the state champion one hundred three pounder, and Ch- Caitlin Chase was just was just a stud. But when she put someone on their back, they didn't come off. <laughs> so she and I can't remember the kid's name from Sandberg. That was a state champ six three pounder or a state runner up one of the two just she threw him and got him in a headlock threw him had him on his back and he was flat as hell however she had a drop of blood on her lip a little bit of blood on her lip and the ref stopped the damn match to do it she wasn't bleeding it wasn't like it was a gush or anything they they stopped because they didn't want to see a goddamn girl's girl from glenbar north pin I'm, I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced of that. So, Are, anyway. were you going ballistic when they oh. stopped the match? Oh, hell yes, hell yes. I was going ballistic. Who? Oh, it was crazy. Okay. It was, I mean, so and that was the difference in the match. I'm looking. We had up. and we had a couple other places where we could have won, but that was the difference. It was only a one or two point. It was a one or two point loss. You know, and uh, we, we, there was another place we, we could have won it, but that was the that was the one right there. So then the guy came back and he beat he beat Caitlin by one or two. Uh, it's, I was I was thinking uh I knew it was the guy I was thinking it wasn't it but it's Michael McCullough from Orland Park Sandberg yeah he beat Craddaville in the finals that year I just pulled up the bracket yes. yeah. yeah I mean uh girls wrestling now you know it's it's saving wrestling at the collegiate level it's amazing and Caitlin Chase though. Man, when she was coming up, the only girl that I knew that wrestled and made the state tournament against all boys at 103 at least once, maybe twice. I mean, she was incredible. If she was well, wrestling now, she would be freaking world champ wrestling at Iowa, all of it. Yeah, yeah. She yeah, she was she was stuff. I mean, you know what? You know, I this was this was totally new. So I I guess I was way ahead of my time having a girl in my room wrestling. That added a whole new set of problems, you know, and not problems. <laughs> But it, you know what I'm saying? It was a, yeah. a different experience. Yeah. For, but it was, but most of the guys, you know, it worked out. It, w- it was fine with, but there were a couple that weren't. Yeah. No, and, I mean, she, uh, and her brother, Jimmy Chase, also a stud. Oh, um, yeah. Man, so you got, there's just so many fun names to talk about. Um, but so in 2011, when you guys drew Sandberg in the semis, was that one of those years you were, knowing it could come down to the end or you're feeling pretty good about yourselves when you guys finally won it? Oh, we knew, I mean, we knew a Sandberg match. This was in the semis, of course, you said that, I guess. We knew the Sandberg match was going to be close because they had already beat us that year. They had already beat us in in December. So here's the the deal. We we knew we had a great team coming back. We knew what we had. We knew what was out there. And we felt we could win a state championship. And this 
we had a we had a meeting at the in the summer. We always have a meeting in the summer. And one of the things that I asked them, I said, I got I know we're talented enough to win it. Are you guys mentally tough enough to win it? Are we tough enough to win? And you know, that was kind of our goal. So we went and started the season. We were just punishing teams, you know, Oak Park, Manuka, uh, you know, any uh Niqua, any of the tough teams, the traditional tough team, we were we didn't have a close match. We were beaten by 20, 30 points. Like seriously, and uh, we get we always had the Christmas meet against Sandberg, and so but I did notice this that our, our work ethic in the room had gotten a little it wasn't as we weren't going at it like we were at the beginning of the season. We went against Sandberg and we ended up losing by ten points. And I brought him in the room afterwards, and I was you know I was pissed, and I said, "Hey, I said." Who can tell me what our what our what was our model this year? And not a one, not one guy in that room could remember what our the model of the meeting was. Not one guy, not one. Yikes! John Marmaleo, who was a freshman who wasn't even in the meeting, uh, at the meeting tried to say something. He came out with something silly, but uh, <laughs> and so I said, "Here, well, the question. Remember, I asked you, uh, are you you're talented enough, but are you tough enough to win a state championship?" And I said. I've noticed in the room, you guys haven't been going at it hard. You haven't been working as hard as you, you've been kind of like living on your big wins and thinking you're just going to coast through this whole thing. And so then we kind of re, recommitted to, you know, we're going to be, are we tough enough? And, uh, you know, we finished the year off, you know, we, we lost to a couple of teams at the clash. We lost to Bet, uh, Bettendorf. We lost Bettendorf and we lost to, uh, to Brandon, Florida that year in the, at the clash. And um, and and then that was that was it. I think as far as what we, who we lost, those were our three losses that year. And we went to the state meeting. We ended up, you know, Sam were getting past Samburn. We knew I knew if we made a little bit of a switch here, we could do that as long as our guys step up and actually held up. That's so tough, you know. Now, when I think about Glenbar North, a couple other things I got to ask you about. Number one is Gold Dot Nation. That's that's number one that comes to mind. Okay. Is there any meaning behind that, or what's the? Uh, how did that all come about? There's a lot of meaning behind that, but sorry, Ryan, you're not. I know. I want to tell me. So I, I, there's nothing I really can tell you about it except that it's, you know, um, it's real. It's there. Yeah, it's been it's been around for a while. It's 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 on every every t-shirt, uniform, and everything that we have. It's even on my barn in Carroll Street. Would you say it's a philosophy or what? Yeah, it's a Lamar North Wrestling thing. Love it. Love it. I love it. I knew I wasn't going to get it out of you, but I had to ask. Yeah. Well, um, it's uh, it's funny. It reminds me of whenever I interview a Twisters guy, I've had Coach Quinn on here. I'm like, to get a Twisters t-shirt, I'd kill for it. And they go, only Twisters get them. So I, it's, uh, I get it. Every program's got a little mystique to it. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I think of when I think of Glenbar North Wrestling is some um, really strong feeder programs like the Ville Lombard Cougars back in the day were killers. Gomez wrestling Academy. Is that something you were structuring and were helping kind of develop or how did that kind of all come about? I wish I could say that. I, I did. Um, we had Carroll Street Park District wrestling when I first took over. So that was our, our feeder group. And Jim Katzenine, who, whose son, uh, Augie, uh, played football and wrestled. And then, and then Andy, his youngest son, was going to be a freshman or in our program. 
Uh, I knew Jim from Bill Lombard, and he was, and at that time, Bill Lombard was one of the, if not the best, one of the best kids programs in the state. And they, had, they were working at Glenbard East for a while, and they really helped that program. Then they went to Glenbard West, and they were helping that. That program really started getting better. And I know Jim and I were at, a, were at our favorite bar, uh, Frank's, one night after a wrestling meet, and we started talking about, about him coming over to Glenbard, bringing the club over there. And whether it was... You know, we, we kind of, uh, there's things that we did, we, and I, you know, I wanted to change the colors to black and gold. I wanted him to change the name of the, he didn't want to do that. Um, and I, and I understand. Uh, and so, you know, we agreed and that was the, one of the best things we've ever done for the program is bring those guys over there. So they, they were practicing out of your, even though know. they were called the Villa Lombard Cougars. Yes. Still practice, okay. Gotcha. Yes. And I, and, and uh, I can't exactly remember the year Jim would know that, but yeah, that but that was a, a great move for us uh, to get them in there. And then out of the out of Ville Lombard, Hector used to be coaching with Ville Lombard. Hector started his own club, and got it. we got a lot of there's a lot of good guys that came out of that program as well. The artist formerly known as Phil Lombard is now Gomez. There's so many of those in Illinois where like someone spins off or uh, it, you know in well actually there was two clubs. We were having we had two clubs for a while. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, Bill Lombard, and it wasn't a it wasn't a great breakup. Well, I can't imagine it was a clean split. <laughs> no, it was not. It was not. And, and you know, so that's as a head coach, and you've got two programs that aren't that don't two clubs that don't like each other at this point. Um, yeah, that makes it it's a little hard. You got to walk a a, a tightrope, you know, to not offend anybody. Right. But, um, they well, both we've talked. We've talked about a lot of your greats and uh, I know, uh, you know, a lot of the workhorses, they know who they are. They, you know, helped you guys put together one of the most incredible streaks in high school wrestling, the, you know, not to mention all the state chips, but the undefeated conference record for your entire coaching career is unheard of. Um, But I I did just want to close the loop on a guy that was just legendary when I was really young coming up, Joe Gomez, you know, is that Austin's cousin or brother? Uh, well, it's, it's his cousin, but, okay. but he's, he's more like a brother because Hector, uh, Hector uh, basically adopted Joe when he was young. Got it. So Hector raised, raised Joe. And, uh, you know, was his approach similar to Austin's or what kind of wrestler was he compared to Austin? A little, you know, a little different. Joe was just, you know, like, you know, you know, you, you want to talk about it. I've never seen, uh, People, when they saw someone get on a scale and were just so afraid, their opponents were afraid of Joe. I mean, Joe was kind of like a scary wrestler. He was kind of, he was a, he was kind of a mean, bad guy, you know what I mean? People didn't want to, I mean, of course the studs weren't afraid of him, but, you know, 99% of the other guys were, you know, and he was just, he was just a tough, tough, hard-nosed wrestler, just a grinder, you know? And uh, so he's not, Austin's, Austin's flashy. He's got all kinds of stuff to throw at you. Joe is a grinder. You know? I don't like Austin's out there. He's smiling. He's loving. He's yeah. like, he's just, I got, I don't, I don't imagine Joe Gomez was smiling that often back then. I mean, he's a serious not, guy. Not, not very often. Not very often. <laughs> it's funny. My, uh, I, you know, I wrestled at Geneseo. I graduated in 07. One of my teammates, Nick George, who had gone to be a state finalist, lost to Albert White. His first match down at, down at assembly hall one year 
was Joe Gomez. And it was mm-hmm. one of the fastest pinfalls in the tournament. <laughs> and, uh, and I love Nick. He's in my wedding. He, he listens to this, but I remember sitting up there and he's like, you ever heard of this guy? I'm like, I've heard of him. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be a tough go. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be a tough yeah. go. But he yeah. had like the buzz, the buzz cut hair. Like oh, he was yeah. just all business. He was, he was, he was, uh, he was a tough one. I mean, we've, like I said, had been, we've been blessed with some really tough guys coming in that room. Yeah. And he wrestled, uh, one of the greats from my era, AJ Lavender, I believe one year as well. Yes. And, uh, in a, in a he, beat, he beat him in fresh, he, wait a minute. Uh, you know, like I say, there's so, he, so many he one year. He lost to him one year. Wasn't it? That's what I remember too. That one year. Exactly. Yeah. I think, uh, cause Joe won it as a freshman, right? Uh, yes, he won as a freshman, a freshman and a senior. Right, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah so I mean, could have been a four timer, and this is yeah. old two A, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. crazy times. Um, wow. So, ultimately, when you when you decided to retire, I gotta ask, what was it like, like the first season after you had retired? What was it like? A little bit of regret, or were you feeling good about what you had done? Wow. The first season when I retired, from, you're talking about when I retired from coaching, stepped down. Yeah, you stepped down. Like your first yeah. full season that you had watched as not as a coach. Well, the first season was the darn uh, COVID. COVID season. That's right. So okay. I was thanking, I was thanking God that I wasn't coaching at that time because I mean, you know, that was a that was the hardest thing. You know, coach, you know, Travis Cherry took over. That was a tough, you know, it's tough taking over. Uh, uh, a program anyway, like one by North wrestling, but to take it over and then to go through COVID season like that, but we lost our whole off season. We lost everything that all the, all the, the framework that one by North wrestling is, is built on. Um, uh, uh, yeah. That doesn't make much sense, but it, uh, every, the foundation that Glenmore North is built on is work, hard work throughout the year. And we lost all that. And so, and then just trying to get kids, trying to get kids, you know, keep communication with kids and so on. I would have gone nuts. So the first year that I was out, I knew that our team that was coming in was going to be okay because they were, a lot of those guys had wrestled, a lot of those seniors had wrestled varsity since they'd been freshmen or sophomores. So I knew if there's any a team that could, there ever was a team that could take off the off season, not have an off season, it was that team you know, and they'd still be good. And they ended up, you know, winning the conference and winning the IWCLA state championship. Right. And, uh, and, you know, so they were a good team, but it was the team, it was last year's team that got affected by not having an off season, not having a kid's club, not having all this, that hurt. Yeah. So, you know, we're, you know, I, I'm still helping out with the program a little bit and we're, you know, Travis is doing all the right things. We're, you know, got our club going again, got the off season going, doing all this stuff, you know, the lifting. And so, you know, it's, we're going to get back on track. I mean, look out people. Look it, out. Was, it, was, it was tough. It was tough. Uh, tough. It's, it's tough not being, uh, you know, used to being the head guy and not being the head guy, you know, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Well, it's uh it's cool that you're still involved and you're still, you know, mentoring and working with guys, I'm sure. And, you know, the last thing I'll ask you, Coach, is we're, we're heading into football season here, and I know you're a guy that would used to, you know, kind of roam the halls and would get anyone on the team. 
you know, if you had to tell like a kind of like a stubborn football coach or someone who wouldn't want a wrestler to come out, like what values of wrestling are you speaking to as to why you should think kids should get out and wrestle and, and be a part of this sport? Well, uh, you know, I guess the first one that always comes in mind is, is mental toughness. I mean, there's not a sport. I mean, not, not a sport that, that teaches you about mental toughness more than wrestling. Because, you know, you know, football, you're out there with 11 other guys. You screw up. Nobody knows you screw up unless you're the quarterback or the running back and you throw an interception or fumble. But no one sees a lineman that falls on his face and doesn't make his block or whatever. But if you screw up in a wrestling man, everybody sees it. Everybody knows. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of to go out there and wrestle to begin with. But then if you don't, if you're not successful, it, it's so tough to come back, come off that and to go back to work unless you're, unless you are mentally tough, unless you develop mental toughness. And this is one of the sports that develops mental toughness. You talk about, you know, the problem with youth today, they don't, they don't see a, a, enough adversity. Well, there's, you know, there's no sport that smacks you right in the face with adversity than wrestling. You know, not a, a, there's very few guys, not even Tony Ramos that went out there and won every match he's wrestled, you know, when he started, you know, it's, it's a tough, tough sport. I'd say that was, that's the number one thing to tell a football coach, you know, and, you know, there's no wrestler that's afraid to stick his face in, uh, you know, uh, and tackle somebody or hit somebody, you know, wrestlers aren't afraid to do that because they do that without a helmet on, put a helmet on them. They're, they're fearless, you know, so we've had some great, football players that were wrestlers. I mean, hell, Brian Murphy, we haven't even talked about Brian Murphy. He was the starting quarterback on their, on their uh, state runner-up team. Was he really? Yeah. Wow. He was a stud. We, we, he was a stud for them. He was, he was, you talk about a leader. I could talk about Brian Murphy forever. You know, he, he that's- Is a, this that's the Brian a, Murphy that wrestled in Michigan? We're thinking yes. of the same one? Yes. He was their quarterback. He was their starting quarterback with Justin Jackson in there, but Brian Murphy was the starting quarterback for uh, two seasons. Wow. Starting varsity quarterback when they were super tough. So man, coach, you're getting me fired up right now. I'm getting, I'm ready to go. <laughs> this is awesome. Well, uh, man, it's been so fun to talk. I'm glad we could get it scheduled. Any final words before we head off here, coach? I just, you know what, you know, that, you know, if you were talking about Glenbar North Russell, it's a program and it, there's, there's a lot of people that involve all the assistants and all the great wrestlers that came back in that room and all the wrestlers that wrestle, you know, I mean, it's a program, you know, and, and uh, um, it, it's been in conversation for 50 years and I, I hope it stays in the conversation for another 50. I hope so too. Hope it's, around uh, to see it, but. Being an Illinois guy, it makes, it gives me a lot of pride to see programs like that. And, you know, Everyone in Illinois loves seeing the teams do well, and having programs like Limbar North just makes it so fun to watch. And yeah, uh, man, I'm just uh, I'm glad we could connect, and can't wait to watch the guys this upcoming season. Thanks, thanks. Nice talking to you, Ryan. Thank you for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode was presented by Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com/wcml to take advantage of a one-year supply of vitamin D droplets along with five free travel packs. AthleticGreens.com slash WCML. If you want to see more from the podcast, go to WrestlingChangeMyLife.com or follow us on Instagram at WrestlingChangeMyLife. Until next time.